Um, it, it's Father's Day, but I'm, I don't have a Father's Day message because I'm not good at those. I'm not good at Mother's Day, Father's Day, Christmas, or Easter. Um, I don't know what it is about me, but that's not my strength. And so I'm going to continue our series that we started last week called Limitless. And so why don't you turn with me to Psalm chapter 78. And then if you're really good at marking in your Bible, um, then you can also know that we're going to Deuteronomy chapter 1 right after that. So Psalm 78, Deuteronomy chapter 1. Uh, you can turn there. You can click there. If you're not going to turn or click, then that's okay. We're going to put it on the screen uh, or, so that you'll be able to follow along. Um, but I want to continue this idea of limitless. And we talked about last week, we kind of started this idea with we have this limitless God and we're in this limitless kingdom. And so we have limitless access to the limitless kingdom and all that it has and, and to God. And so we have limitless potential. And, and that for me is, is really the baseline. So if you missed that message, hopefully you'll go online and you can watch it. You can watch it through the app. You can podcast it. You can listen through the app. You can listen online. However you do that, it's out there. Um, but I'd love you to have that as the baseline is kind of just to say, man, we really, I know we live in a world of limitations. Like I get that, but we serve a limitless God. And, and really when we have the same power that raised Jesus from the dead living in us, we have limitless potential. Are, are you with me? And for me, here's, here's what I don't want. I don't want any of your potential making it to your casket. Right? Like, that's my heart for you. Like, I don't want you to get in that casket and still have potential that was never realized. And I want you to know that we have a good God and we have his word and the blood of Jesus and the Holy Spirit. And, and we can really live extraordinary lives through faith in him. And, and that's what I want to talk about today. Because if we're going to talk about this limitless kingdom and, and all this limitless potential, then, then really the next place we have to go is faith. And so I called this message Limitless Belief. Now, I know you're probably thinking, well, that's a natural title. We're doing a series Limitless, and so Limitless Belief. But I really thought about this title a lot. And, and I want you just to think about this just for a second. In the context of your life, do you really have limitless belief in God? Like for some of you, you could write this question down. You could ponder it. We're done for the day. Because we, I know, and I know the right answer in church, right? Because we come to church to lie to each other about how we're doing. Right? Number one lie told in church, I'm doing great. The second, second lie told in church, I'm praying for you. <laughs> but anyways, <laughs> sorry, but it's true, right? And it's really, I mean, it's, it's, it's a bad idea to come to church and get honest because when you come to church... And you get honest and you start telling the truth, you're going to find freedom. Obviously, I was being sarcastic when I said it was a bad idea. Right? Because through that truth comes freedom. Right? So, but if I were to say, do, do you really have this limitless belief in God that he can do anything? Like, we'll quote the scripture, man, to him who's able to do. But I'm not asking, do you think he's able to? Do you think he will? He's able to exceedingly abundantly. And that's, that's the part that I want to take on. And so it takes some honesty from us. In fact, when we started Pathway, we wanted a church where you could actually come and be honest because we'd been in a lot of churches where I don't think that was a good idea. Because if you were honest, they would crucify you. Right? They would brand you. Oh, that's that guy. Right? And so we said, hey, what if we had a church where we could be honest because we're all screwed up? Right? 
And we can come in and say, man, I'm struggling with this. Hey, you know, because truthfully, could we just, I mean, there again, we're going to try to be honest here. Just, it's just me and you. But could we say living a life of faith is not always easy? Right. We, I, mean, I mean, I know we're supposed to say I'm blessed and highly favored and too blessed to be stressed. I'm blessed by the best. Woohoo! <laughs> right? I, I know that's what we're supposed to say. But is that really how it's always going with us? And so Psalm 78, I want to talk about this limitless belief. And, and, and so in Psalm 78, um, this is kind of recounting the story of Israel and coming through the wilderness. And there's just this one verse, verse 41, that I want to look at. It says, yes, again and again they tempted God and they limited the Holy One of Israel. Like, would we agree in theory that God is without limit? Like, like, and, and now we know a key here that there is a difference between what we agree with and what we believe. Come on, let's be honest. Do we agree God is without limit? Yeah. Do we believe limitlessly? See, like this is where honesty starts. Honesty starts with understanding that in the church we've heard concepts and ideas that you just kind of have to agree with if you're in the church. And you can actually agree with things and you can mentally ascend to a, to a form of agreement and it really be completely void of faith. And what's amazing is we can say God is without limit, yet these people found a way to limit him. I think the Bible talks about this with Jesus because it said, and, and he could do no mighty works there except to heal a few sick people because they didn't believe him. They didn't believe who he, who he was. So in Deuteronomy chapter 1, we're going to use this as kind of the backdrop of what we want to talk about. This is, um, you can see the same story in Numbers 13 and 14, but this is where God has delivered Israel from Egypt and, and brought them to the border, if you will, of the promised land. And this is where the spies go into the land. So if you understand that, so God delivered them through the Red Sea, drowned Pharaoh's army, he's taken them to Mount Sinai, he's taken them through, through the wilderness, um, and then he's gotten them to the promised land, and now they're going to send spies into the land, and this is where they're going to rebel and turn back. And so Deuteronomy chapter 1, verse 19, it says, Then we set out from Horeb. This is Moses kind of telling the story. Then we set out from Horeb and went through all the great and terrifying wilderness that you saw on the way to the hill country of the Amorites, as the Lord our God commanded us. And we came to Kadesh Barnea. And I said to you, you have come to the hill country of the Amorites, which the Lord your God is giving us. See, the Lord your God has set the land before you. Go up, take possession as the Lord, the God of our fathers, has told you. Do not fear or be dismayed. Time out. Verse 21. Wouldn't you love to have that word from God? Like, would you? Like where God says, hey, what I promised, you just go get it. Go take it. Wouldn't that be awesome? How many would sign up if you had that word from God today? What I promised... Now, let's think about this. 
Because isn't that kind of the word you have today? No, I'm waiting on God, Pastor. Jesus sat down. You only sit down when you're finished. I think we got to decide what it is finished really means. Because in him, every promise of God is yes. And in him, every promise of God is amen. You could also say true and absolute. And so honestly, honestly, we all have this verse 21 is the Lord has set the land before us. Go and take possession of it. Honestly, like God's done his part. Okay, well, I'll just keep reading. Then all of you came near to me and said, so, so then all of them, there was a committee meeting after this. And you know, if you've been in church long enough, you know when you have a committee meeting, things are about to go wrong. Like sometimes you have to have a committee meeting to decide if you need to have a committee meeting. Some of you have been in that church, right? I'm just joking. But anyways, the, verse 22, then all of you came to me and said, let's send men before us that they may explore the land for us and bring word again of the way in which we would go and the cities into which we shall come. Verse 23, the things seemed good to me, Moses said, and I took 12 men from you, one from each tribe. And they turned and went up into the hill country and came to the valley of Eshcol and spied it out. And they took in their hands some of the fruit of the land and brought it down to us and brought us word again and said, it is a good land that the Lord our God is giving us. See, it'd be great if they would have just stopped there. It's a good land that God is giving us. Stop. Like sometimes you need to know when not to post. Right? Right? I mean, there's, there's a time that you just don't. Like, in fact, in by not posting, it is actually more productive. I know, I know, I'm just saying, but what if you didn't just say? Anyways, you know the story. They didn't stop there because if you read Numbers 13, they're like, it's a great land, but the people are greater. So anyways, we'll read verse, verse 26. Yet you wouldn't go up because you rebelled against the command of the Lord. And you murmured in your tents and you posted on Facebook and said, because the Lord hates us, he has brought us out of the land of Egypt to give us into the hands of the Amorites to destroy us. Like that doesn't even make sense, does it? Like God hates us so much, he couldn't leave us in bondage where we were being tortured. He delivered us so that the Amorites could destroy us. Like it doesn't even make sense, really. Verse 28, he says, where are you going up? Our brothers have made our hearts melt, saying the people are greater and taller and the cities are great and fortified up to the heaven. Besides, we have seen the sons of Anakim there. That's giants, if you will. Then, then, then I said to you, don't be in dread or afraid. The Lord your God goes before you and he will himself fight for you just as he did for you in Egypt before your eyes and in the wilderness where you have seen how the Lord your God carried you as a man carries his son all the way that you went until you came to this place. Verse 32, what's this? Yet in spite of this word, you did not believe the Lord your God who went before you in the way to seek you out a place to pitch your tents and fire by night and cloud by day to show you by what way you should go. Yet in spite of all this, you didn't believe the Lord. See, kind of like them, God has set the promise. Like you are people of promise. And in Christ, we have kind of come to this place. Like I, 
Too many times people have made the promised land this picture of like when we all get to heaven. But the truth is the promised land is on the other side of salvation. Like we're supposed to walk in it now. Like the promises of God are something we walk in now. And God has actually brought us to this land of promise and said, there it is, go and take it. But, but here's the caveat. You, you can't take it without faith. And I know, I know, I know, we all say we have faith, but let's just pretend it's just us and let's just talk for a minute. I know we all want to have faith. I know we all agree with the concept that, that God has given us promise, but the truth is you're never going to get past this belief thing. You're never going to get past this faith thing, that, that it's going to be upon your belief and on your faith that actually determines God's power in your life. They limited a limitless God. Why? Because they didn't believe. The writer of Hebrews in Hebrews chapter 3 tells us they didn't enter into the promised land because they didn't believe. In fact, it even ties disobedience to that. They didn't believe, so they didn't obey. Right? Number one cause of disobedience is lack of belief. If you really believed God, you would obey him. I mean, what other answer could there be? If we really believed God, we would, we would obey him. That would just make sense. If I'm not obeying him, it's because I simply do not believe what he, what he has spoken, what he's asked for, the way he's directed, the way he's guiding, the way he's leading. I don't believe it's best. I believe I know best. And so kind of all of us have come to Christ and now in him all the promises are yes and in him all the promises. And so God has these plans and God has these purposes, but you're never gonna get past faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God because if you come to God, you have to believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. In other words, you have to believe that he is who he says he is and he does what he says he does. Like this is what it means to live a life of faith. I believe who he says he is. I believe he does what he says he does. We have a lot of people today that are trying to believe he is who he says he is, but we do not believe he will do anything. Oh, that, that's not for today. That's not for that passed away. Those promises don't work today, but we have faith. So we're never going to get past this, this faith thing that, that we have to believe. It's there's kind of this crazy tension that God seems to enjoy that we seem to hate. And it's the tension of being a people of promise in a world that opposes the promise. L let me help you with this. God's promise, okay, all of us are people of promise. Now you may know specific promises that God has for your life. Or, or you may be on the general promises that God has the blessings of Abraham that are supposed to come upon you, that he has a plan for you, that he has a purpose for you, that he has health for you, healing for you, prosperity for you, that God wants to bless you and keep you and, and guide you and lead you. Okay, so there's some general promises, right, that we're all under. And then some of us have very specific, like I have some very specific promises from the Lord. Wherever you're at, you have promise. Here's what I can guarantee you. Every promise of God that you have is aimed at the purpose God has for you. God doesn't give promise unless there's purpose. Let me help you. God wanted a nation, so he goes to a man called Abram and says, you're gonna have a son. The, what was the promise? You're gonna have a son. Why? Because I want a nation. Why? Because I wanna show my power through a nation. So the promise to Abraham was actually aimed at the purpose of God. Now, here's the caveat. He made the promise that you're going to father a nation to a man 
who was married to a woman who could not have children. And now we have a promise that's buried in opposition. We have a promised land that's got giants in it. God seems to like that. We seem to hate it. Are, are you with me? Like, like, like we, we kind of want the promise void of any opposition. Like I thought about this, and it's kind of interesting because when you read Numbers 13, it starts with God telling Moses, send spies into the land. But we just read in Deuteronomy chapter one where it says a committee came to Moses and said, we'd like to send spies into the land. Doesn't seem to be the same story. So I did a little research and a little prayer. Here's what I've come up with. The spies, the people came to Moses and said, we want to send spies into the land. Moses went to God and said, your people want to send spies into the land. And God said, great, let them. And in sending the spies into the land, you know what they saw? It's a good land. The promise is good. But there's giants in there. They saw a promise. It's completely surrounded by opposition. And, I, and here's what I thought. God, now, now help me with this. Why would you do that? Right? Because think about this. If God says, no, we're not going to send spies tomorrow. We're going into the land. We're going to fight the first battle. They'd have gone into the land. God would have fought for them. That's what he promised in Deuteronomy, what we just read. God would have fought for them in one and then be like, woohoo, God's going to win. He's going to win every fight. But instead, you, you let them send spies. Like, why did you go with their idea? Here's why I think it, he did. Because he was okay using their idea to test their own belief. Isn't it interesting how God will let you use your strategy to actually determine what's going on with you? Don't believe me? Ask Abram and Sarah and Hagar and Ishmael. Yeah, use your plan. Because God could have showed up and said, Abram, don't sleep with Hagar. This isn't going to work. But instead, he just kind of says, because here's what, here's what God realized. Faith doesn't, doesn't come by gaining the promise. Gaining the promise comes by faith. And so he had to actually test them so that they could see where they were at because they were saying, no, we, we, agree with, we agree with this whole thing, Moses. We agree that's our land. We're back to that. Mentally, we have ascended to this concept that we agree that we're supposed to have this land. But when it came down to it, opposition is what determines the difference between what you've agreed with and what you really believe. Faith is revealed by opposition. And since the promise can only be gained through faith, brace yourself, God's okay if you have a little opposition. Right? Because, oh, God's going to provide for me. I believe God's going to prosper me. I believe God is the greatest thing in the universe, and, and he is the great I am. And we sing, and we sing, and we sing, and Monday we get laid off, and we're like, I don't think God's real. 
I'm posting on Facebook. I'm going back to Egypt. I miss my bed and my leeks and my onions. I mean, it's literally in the Bible. That's literally what they said. I don't know about you. I don't know what a leak is. Sounds like a problem with your boat, but, but I'm just saying. Like if you're offering milk and honey and you know if there's milk and honey, there's peanut butter because that is just logic. Or onions or leeks. I'm like, bring on the giants. Have me some milk and honey and peanut butter. And it's interesting because God, God will actually let us, like, like here's what he says. I'm going to give you a promise in a world that is set against my purpose. And if they're set against my purpose, the world is set against my promise. And so I'm going to give you a promise in a world that's actually going to oppose it. But then by faith, you can walk in it. And we all want the promise without the opposition. But can I help you with something? The opposition is what testifies to the promise. My grandfather used to say it this way. If you're not running into the devil, you must be going the same way he is. And so God, in fact, Jesus said it this way. I mean, faith is revealed by opposition. Jesus said it this way. Those who endure till the end. Like Jesus said, I can't show up at the starting block and see who really has faith. I'll wait at the finish line and see how many of them came through the opposition. How many of them actually ran the race. Right? That's why Hebrews said you're going to have to hold on to your confession or profession of faith. Why? Because it's easy to let go of it in a world that is set against your purpose and promise. But for God's kingdom to come through us, for God's purposes to be done through us, then we have to be a people of faith. And most of the time, it's the opposition that reveals where our faith is. Mark chapter nine, ask a father. He has a son who is demon possessed. He's foaming at the mouth. He's throwing himself in the fire. This is a bad situation. He's been this way all of his life. And Jesus has been up on the Mount of Transfiguration. Ooh, and then he comes down and there's a commotion. And Jesus is like, what's going on? He's like, I brought my son to you and your disciples. They, they couldn't help him. And then he says... Time out there. First of all, he brought his son to Jesus. Wouldn't we say that that looks like faith? I would say it does, right? But then he says something that's a little bit more revealing. Because if I brought my son to Jesus, you think about the one with the issue of blood, you think about Jairus' daughter, you, you think about the centurion that was healed. If I brought my son to Jesus and, and I said, I brought my son to you to heal him, then, then the next phrase reveals there's a little bit of a problem because he says, if you can do anything for him. I brought him to you. Your disciples couldn't help if you can do anything for him. And Jesus immediately says, very famous line that we all quote, all things are possible to him who believes. In other words, Jesus said, you need to understand the problem here is not with God. The problem here is not even with your son. Like this has come down to this this whole crux of where the kingdom of heaven and earth collide, and it's this place of faith. In other words, Jesus said, if you can believe, it's not a question of what I can do, it's a question of what can you believe. I can do as much as you can believe. I can do as much as you can believe. 
And what I love is this man says something no one else in the Bible ever says. But he says, I believe, help my unbelief. Can, can I tell you something? I don't think the man got a breakthrough because he had great faith. I think he had a breakthrough because he had great honesty. Because the church answer is not the answer he gave. Because if Jesus says, do you believe? Yes, sir, I believe. I am blessed, highly favored, too blessed to be stressed. I'm blessed by the best. I'm above and not beneath. I'm the, I'm the head and not the tail. I'm blessed going in. I'm blessed coming out. I'm blessed in the city. I'm blessed in the field. And this man says something that, in my opinion, could have, could have cost him. He says, basically, I'm trying to believe, but, but, but I'm struggling. I think sometimes God lets us run into opposition so we can see where we're at. Because until we're honest with ourselves, we can't be honest with him. And God doesn't need you to impress him. He needs you to be honest with him. And I think God, you know, here you have the children of Israel and they're saying, no, we agree, we agree. We're, we're bound for the promised land. We agree that we're supposed to inherit this land. And then they see the giants. And all of a sudden, they're like, uh-uh. Sorry, we're going home. You know, you know what's dangerous? Here's what I see with the Israel. Number one, they weren't honest with themselves. So they said they believed in something they didn't believe. And the result of that was then they had to become their own source because when we don't believe in God, we just start believing in us. If I can show you this in, in, in Numbers chapter 14, Numbers chapter 14, verse 3, it says, they said this, why did the Lord bring us into this land to fall by the sword? <laughs> our wives and our little ones will become prey. I mean, they've spent a lot of time thinking about how they're going to lose. I'm going to talk about this next week. But this week, did you think more about how you were going to lose or how you were going to win? If we went to your Instagram, what would it tell us? Like, I remember, like, I mean, they spent time thinking about how they, it wasn't just like, we think we're going to lose. No, no, they're going to take our wives and our children. They're going to kill us by the sword. And then they, then they start thinking, wouldn't, wouldn't it have been better if we just, wouldn't it be better if we just go back to Egypt, to our onions and our leeks and our beds? And then it says this, then they come up with another idea. Because remember, when committees get together, let's choose another leader to help get us back to Egypt. See, here's the problem. Not honest with myself. I agree. I don't believe. But I can't say that because I don't know what's going on with me. When I get to that place, then I think it's easier to put faith in me than to put faith in a God I can't see. And when I do that, I'll actually make a plan to walk away from the promise of God. Like you're never going to get around this faith thing if you want to walk into what God has for you. You're going to have to believe him. It's, it's not always easy. It is a struggle. But, but like I said, part of this faith journey that, that sometimes I think in religion we missed is can we be honest about where we're at right now? Because I think if they stood on the here, promised land, here we are, 
And they would, and they would have done one of these like, okay, Moses, we just need to talk. Like we, we really are trying to believe that this is our land and we can take it. But we're really struggling with that right now. I think God can do more with that. I think even Isaiah said something like this and then Jesus quoted, they acknowledge me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. And we need to understand our hearts can lie to us. They're deceitful. And it is possible to sit here and say, oh God, I believe. And in your heart, be devising a plan to go back to Egypt. And so where was the breakdown? Like, why, why didn't they believe? By the way, I should, time out, I should say this. I don't have really any points today. So if you're sitting here like, oh my God, he still hasn't gotten to point number one, <laughs> it's okay. Like, you're totally safe, all right? This was the plan, <laughs> all right? Because <laughs> I, I don't know, I ran into that, like, in the first service, I could tell people, like, <laughs> you have forsaken us, <laughs> There's not really points. There's really, there's really just one point. I'll give it to you in a minute. But, but um, <laughs> just to help you breathe, because I can tell some of you OCD people are like, he usually has points. There's usually at least three of them. Oh, God. <laughs> and so It's okay. It's all right. We're going to get you out to have your Father's Day steak or whatever. You eat. It's okay. But, but, I, but I thought, what was the problem? Why didn't they believe? Because it, when you think about it, in fact, we're going to read this in Psalm 78. This is a people that God delivered them from a day or delivered them in one day from Egypt. God brought them through the Red Sea and drowned the armies of Pharaoh in it. These are people that have seen God's power. In fact, Psalm 78 testifies to this. It says they forgot his works. I don't know how you do that, but they forgot his works and the wonders that he had shown them. In the sight of their fathers, he performed wonders in the land of Egypt, in the fields of Zoan. He divided the sea and he let them pass through it and made the water stand up like a heap. And in the daytime, he led them with a cloud. At nighttime, he led them with a fire. He split rocks in the wilderness and gave them drinks, uh, drink abundantly as from the deep. He made streams come out of the rocks and called water to flow like rivers. Verse 17, yet they sinned even more. It goes on to say that, that, you know, then they were hungry and he gave them manna. And then they complained about the manna, so he gave them quail. Like, it, it goes on, to, on and on about all this stuff. I mean, they, they saw not only the ten plagues, but then all this stuff God did in the wilderness. And th at this point, it's still pretty fresh. It isn't like this was 40 years ago. This is the first generation, right? This is the first time they come to the promised land. You know the story. They rebel. They go into the wilderness for 40 years, and then the next generation actually goes into the promised land. So this isn't the second generation. This is the first generation that is in the process of fall, falling and failing and faltering. And so these are the people that actually saw with their own eyes all these amazing things. And I say that to think because most people think, oh, faith comes from seeing. Oh, if I'd have just seen. Like most people, man, if I could have just walked with Jesus. I'd really have faith. No, you would. Like one of the last people to believe in Jesus was his own brother. Right? I mean, this, this is a brother. You would have think he'd have saw some wild stuff. Right? Like the family dog gets hit by a chariot. And next thing you know, Jesus picks him up and then he's just fine. They go out to the Sea of Galilee, right? And he's drowning and Jesus walks across the water and picks him up. I mean, he probably saw some weird stuff. That's not in the Bible, by the way. That's just holy imagination. 
So I was like, what verse is that? It's not in there. Not in there. But I'm just saying, if you were his disciples, would you really believe? Because you would have seen Jesus at his best and his worst. You'd seen him tired. You'd seen him angry. Right? You'd seen him sad. Right? You'd heard him burp. And possibly other things. <laughs> just running my vision of Jesus. It's okay. He was a man. You'd have smelt him on the hot sunny days. Right? You'd laid his lifeless body in a tomb. We have to understand that 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 seeing isn't isn't believing. It's always back to this issue of faith. Believing. In fact, Jesus said, if you can believe, you'll see the glory of God. It didn't say if you see the glory of God, you'll believe. No, if you can believe, you'll see. So so what was the deal? Why didn't they believe? Well, I have a theory. I want to give you my theory. Um, in Exodus 20, they, they come to Mount Sinai. This is right after they've come through the Red Sea. They come to Mount Sinai, and God tells Moses, prepare the people. In three days, I'm going to come down on this mountain, and I'm going to talk with them. I'm going to speak to them. And so they prepare themselves, consecrate themselves, wash their clothes, all that kind of stuff, get ready. And then the day comes, and, and this is what we read, Exodus 20, verse 19. And, and they said to Moses... You know what? Speak to God yourself and, and we'll listen to you. But don't let God speak to us or we're going to die. Moses said, don't be afraid. It's just God. He's testing you so that his fear will be with you to keep you from sinning. Verse 21, but the people remained at a distance while Moses approached the thick darkness where God was. So I'm asking myself, like, God, where does this belief come from? And why didn't they believe? Like, you brought them. They saw all this stuff. They come to the promised land. There's the promised land. It's everything that you told them it was going to be. And yet they come up with a plan to go back into bondage. Like, why didn't they just believe? And I came back to this instance because I'm kind of looking at Israel and then these other two guys, Joshua and Caleb. Because Joshua and Caleb seem to be like, no, let's go. Like, bring it on. It was like they didn't even care there were giants there. But, but Israel is like, no, 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 no. And, and here's the concept I'm working from. In fact, this is one of the things you could write down if you just wanted to. And, and that is that you simply will not believe a God you don't know. And, and God gives them an opportunity to know him, to hear his voice. And they choose distance. And not only do they choose distance, they ask for a formula. You talk to God, let us know what he says. What is it about human flesh and religion in general that we prefer formulas to relationships? Just tell me the prayer to pray, the book to read. I got the, I got the, I've been praying the prayer of Jabez. I'm not, nothing against the prayer of Jabez. Please don't send me an email about it. I'm just saying. Like you do on social media. Anyways, I, so I'm just saying... You know, and they're like, you know, but, but I'm doing this and I'm doing that and I'm doing this and, and, and I'm trying to do that. What is it about us that, that we, we, the pitfall of our flesh that we kind of jump back and, and we, we say, oh, I'd rather have a formula when, when really this whole thing, this is what's interesting to me in church. We, we tell people, like the church I was even raised in, the churches I grew up around, everywhere you went, you would hear, this is about a relationship with God. And as soon as you signed up to have a relationship with God, they said, now here's the stuff that you need to do. 
you need to stop this, start that, make sure you're doing this, don't do any of that. Look this way, talk this way, do your hair this way. It was like, right? And then you, you like bring people to church and you're like, I want them to meet Jesus. And, and the whole time we just talk about what we don't need to do. When truthfully, this is all about a relationship with him. And we, we get so convoluted and distracted with all the stuff. And some of it's good stuff. Like, oh, we're pursuing miracles and we're pursuing breakthrough. That's wonderful. But, but remember the crux. What makes this whole thing work is it's about this relationship with God. Why? Because I cannot believe, I will not believe a God I do not know. And the level of my faith, most of the time, matches the level of my understanding and knowledge and experience with him. See, what about Joshua and Caleb? Well, I looked at their backstory. Caleb, it didn't give me enough to understand his backstory, but I know Joshua. Because in, in Exodus 33, usually the tabernacle of God was in the center of camp and Israel camped around the presence of God. But there was a time when God for a season said, I want to put the tabernacle outside of the camp. And, and then Moses would go out to the tent of meeting to meet with God. And it tells the story Exodus 33, verse 10, it says, when all the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the entrance of the tent, that meant God was there. Then all of them would rise and worship each at his own tent door. Now that's good, but they all stay at their tent door. Thus the Lord used to speak to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. When Moses turned again into the camp, his assistant Joshua, the son of a young man, would not depart from the tent. So here's the story. Moses, God would descend. Moses would go out to the tent of meeting. Joshua would go with him and stand right outside the door of the tent of meeting. Only Moses could go in, but Joshua would stand there. The rest of Israel stayed in camp. And they worshiped from afar. And then Moses would come out and he'd go back to camp. But Joshua stayed at the tent of meeting till the presence of God lifted. Here's what I think. Remember, God's invitation to Israel. You, you, listen. Can't believe a God I don't know. God's invitation to Israel, I want them to hear my voice. Joshua, they, Israel, they could only see the giants. Joshua and Caleb could only see the promise. What's the difference? What they heard. What you hear determines what you see. Because what you hear determines what you believe. And I think Joshua overheard some conversations with Moses. It's the only difference. There's a scripture. I'm going to read you this scripture in the New Testament. You're going to be very tempted to apply your biblical prowess to it. Because you know what it means. And you do. But I don't want you to. I want you to play dumb. Okay? I don't mean that in a disrespectful way. I'm just saying... When I read the scripture, you're going to be able to quote it. You're going to know what it means. You're going to remember 12 sermons you heard about it. You're going to remember writing the verse on your refrigerator. You're going to remember the promise. You're, going to, you're just going to, whoosh, oh yeah, I know it. I mean, last night I actually, actually said this verse and someone shouted back at me and it was fine. It's not that they were wrong, but, but I want you to see something because the way it comes is actually more important than what comes. The way is more important than the what, Okay. 
Romans 10, 17. No, don't do it. Don't do it. We're just going to look at the first five words. Romans 10, 17 says, so faith comes from hearing. You won't serve, you won't believe a God you don't know. If I want to believe him, I have to know him. Israel said, don't speak to us, speak to Moses. Joshua said, I'm going to get as close to the voice as I can. Israel could only see the giants. Joshua could only see the promise. Why? He believed. They didn't believe. Right? Joshua and Caleb actually get to live when everyone else dies. They get to live and go back into the promised land. What's the difference? Faith comes from hearing. Right there. Faith comes. And hearing the word of God. I understand. Understand. That's the rhema word. People even know the Greek. It's rhema. That's a now word. I understand. 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 Faith comes from hearing. I want to believe God. Faith comes from hearing. It doesn't say faith comes from having heard, nor does it say faith comes from what you hear. It says faith comes from. I'm convinced if you hear old McDonald had a farm from God, you'll leave with faith. We think the focus is on, yeah, if God will tell me this about that, or if God will give me a word about this, or if God will give me... No, 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 no. Faith comes from hearing. I had to think about this in my own quiet time. I kind of had this crazy experience this week. It was crazy. I, I'm responsible. And, and so, like, when I go to prayer, there's all the things I have to pray for. You know, I mean, I have to pray for you. You know, thanks a lot. And I'm just kidding. <laughs> there's all these things I had to pray for. And so, unfortunately, and then we just came out of a rise, and now we're trying to strategize about our next steps and what that's going to look like. And I'm like, God, I need a word. I need a strategy. I need you to speak to me, God. I got to hear you. And, and, and all of a sudden, I kind of, kind, of, kind of got where I wasn't very enamored with going to pray, which is kind of weird. And, and pastors, we fight this because sometimes it, it, our, our professional life and our devotional life start merging, and that's kind of the danger of being in ministry is you have to keep those separate like, I have to have my devotional time and my study time. They can't be the same. You see what I'm saying? Like, I need what, what's going on with me and God and then whatever God wants to tell y'all. But I went into my quiet time and I just, I don't know, I just paused and I just thought, you know. And so, I, you know, I, I, I kind of took my position there and sat for a minute. And I said, God, you know, there's all this stuff that I'm supposed to be praying about, that I'm supposed to be asking you about. And then I just kind of stopped and I thought, but I wonder what you'd like to talk about. Being your God and all. And I just thought about that. I thought, how much of our, we call it devotional time, and then when we have devotional time, we post it on Instagram so everybody knows we had a devotional time so they can, you know, like our devotional time and our scripture and all that. Nothing wrong with that, but I'm just saying... How much of the devotional time is still more focused on the stuff? And this is about a relationship. And what if God designed this in such a way that if we pursued relationship, 
the relationship, the result of the relationship would actually increase our faith so that we could walk in promise. Like what if instead of seeking the promise, what if we just got in a place to hear God and relate to him? The result of that would actually be increased faith because we would just hear him. And it's not hear him say anything necessarily. It's not a particular thing that he might say. Like I know we all want him to say, go forward and possess the promise. He's kind of already said that. And so it was interesting in my quiet time, I, just, I, just, I stopped for a minute and I thought, you know, God, no one wants to be a means to an end in relationships, right? Like you don't want someone hanging out with you because you have cool stuff. You don't want someone hanging out with you to get something from you. Like no one wants to be in that kind of thing, right? And I thought, well, neither does God. And if the totality of our meeting with God is all about what we need to get from him, what we need him to do, then we're not really focused on knowing, we're focused on what we need. And the result of that can't be faith because faith is by hearing. And so I walked in this quiet down, this crazy thing, I just stopped and I said, literally I said this, God, what do you want to tell me about you today? And you know, he told me something, and, and I, if I were to tell you, you'd be like, and that was it? It so energized me. Not because he said, Marty, thou great servant of the Most High God, I'm about to prosper thee in the way in which thou shalt go and give unto thee the riches of the kingdom. It wasn't even that. It was something so simple. But it was what he wanted to say, and I heard it. And I left there thinking, Man, we'd do anything. And I just thought for our church, and sometimes we get all distracted by the stuff, that if we really want to live this limitless life, then we're not going to get around faith. Because when we don't have faith, we're going to be our own source, and that's always going to be bad. But we need to know that, that I just simply cannot believe in a God I don't know. And I thought about this. Faith then comes from hearing. Let me say it another way. Knowing comes from hearing. Knowing comes from, like where does faith come from? Knowing. Where does knowing come from? Hearing. It's not even about what I hear. It's about hearing him talk. Hearing him speak. Hearing him speak to us. I just thought, what if we, came back to, if I want to live a limitless life, like you, and we'll talk about it, but if you want to live a limitless life, yeah, you, you got to go into the promised land, you got to take on the giants, all that kind of stuff. But, but, but first, first, you got to know him. I think that's what Paul said, didn't he? Forgetting all this stuff, I'm going to reach forward to this calling of God. Then he goes on to say that I may know him. And then he says, I want to know him in the power of his resurrection. I want to know him in the fellowship of his sufferings. I just want to know him. I just simply want to know him. And to me, if you're going to live a limitless life, if you're going to have limitless belief, it's going to come from 
knowing him. Because it's actually in the pursuit of the relationship of knowing him that you hear his voice and you know his ways. And that's where the real faith is built to walk into a land full of giants and possess your promise. Are you with me? It's a good word, isn't it? Man, come on, give him praise. That's a good word. Why don't you stand with me?